This is the Software and Technology Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. The more diversity of thought of the people working at tech companies, the better. The blockchain idea was around 91, the same idea of in the digital world, we need verifiable documents. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the MarketScale Technology Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Folks, thanks for joining us on another episode of the podcast. Great to have you listening along as we explore cutting-edge technology and how it's impacting the business world. So on today's episode of the Technology Podcast, we're going to be comparing and contrasting some cutting-edge technology in low-power cellular tech. And we're going to be better understanding what market forces are motivating the evolution and the spread of this cutting-edge connected tech. For insights today, we're joined by Brandon Hart, Director of Technical Business Development for NimbleLink and host of the web series From the Workshop. Brandon, great to have you on. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure getting to chat on this this very uh, niche but uh, relevant uh, piece of technology and uh, some of the ways that IoT is integrating itself in various industries. And obviously, we're going to be hearing from the best, so looking forward to it. Can you give us a little more context before we jump in on what NimbleLink does specifically, where you fit into the industry, and then how your specific uh, insights on this topic are going to be relevant? Yeah, excellent. So basically, NimbleLink is, uh, we always hear about companies who say, you know, they, they do rapid IoT solutions and, you know, we're, we're an end-to-end IoT solutions company and things like that. But we like to think that we kind of put an extra uh, emphasis on rapid with uh, the way that we approach the industry. So we're a cellular-focused company. We really believe that cellular technologies are the best way to enable connectivity for IoT solutions. But cellular has always kind of been a, well, let's call it what it is. It's, it's been a pain. <laughs> and it has been the thing that kind of slows the development and the deployment of what could be some, some really compelling and intriguing uh, IoT solutions. When you have to add cellular connectivity to it, it kind of slows everything down. It complicates everything. You have to deal with these certifications and all that kind of stuff. So what we've done is we've come along and we've developed a couple different product families. The first of which is the NimbleLink Skywire modem. This is an embedded modem that just kind of makes the whole idea of integrating cellular connectivity into a device a lot easier and incredibly faster. We can get into a little bit more about what the Skywire modem is later, but but bottom line is it's a it's a sort of a, a small board that contains all of the cellular componentry that you need in order to be able to get your IoT device connected to a cellular network. And it also happens to contain all of the necessary componentry to meet carrier certifications. So you can essentially take one of our Skywire modems, put it into your device design, and deploy your product. No need to go back and do a whole bunch of additional cellular certifications. We also offer a line of asset tracking solutions and asset tracking products that are similarly meant to help speed getting a product to market. Those are all, at this time, they are all based on LTE-M, so we can get into kind of why we made that decision uh, as we talk through this here. But the idea there is that they are white labeled solutions. So again, rather than going back, spending a lot of time in R&D to develop your own IoT solution, in this case, you white label this one, deploy it, and off you go. So much, much faster, much more quick time to market. So that's really kind of who NimbleLink is. We're, We're focused on taking the difficulty out of creating and deploying IoT cellular enabled products. All right, perfect. Thank you for the context there. And then if we add Brandon Hart specifically into the mix, <laughs> what are uh, you know some of your, um, I guess, experiences working with and helping um, you know, develop new business yeah. in and around this cutting-edge IoT technology, and how does that relate to uh, the conversation we're going to have here in a second? 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, as far as me personally, uh, I've kind of had a long career in the cellular industry. Originally kind of focused on just, you know, the, the, the same thing everybody else starts with, cell phones and, and you know, figuring out the, the coolest new cell phone technologies and that kind of thing. And then kind of got more and more into and, and moving toward the Internet of Things or what we called uh, machine to machine or telemetry at the time. And as that was developing, kind of following the trend and, and following the technologies so that uh, I, I could be better acquainted with them. So uh, as we continue to do that, I worked through a cellular carrier. Uh, I was at a, a cellular network operator for about 11 years and eventually moved to Nimblelink, where we kind of got uh, deeper and even more technical. I started trying to make things a little bit more understandable for the general developers out there that are not necessarily cellular industry experts. Developers want to create the coolest, most impressive, I don't know, soil moisture monitoring solution. They don't necessarily want to be an expert in cellular. They just need that part to make their solution work. And so we try to make it easy, try to make it relatable. One of the things that we did to make that happen is I host, as you mentioned in the introduction there, uh, I host a web series called From the Workshop. And essentially this is just trying to break things down that IoT device developers need to know about cellular or about specifically how to operate and integrate cellular connectivity into devices. So we really, you know, I, I'm really kind of focused on trying to make a lot of this rather intimidating stuff a lot more approachable. Love that. And we'll circle back around and, you know, talk a little bit about how you use that platform to, uh, you know, help make this technology more understandable for some of your you know, industries that you work in. But before that, let's go ahead and lay out what the actual conversation is going to be about today. Like we said, we're talking about the evolution of connected technology and compare and contrasting two different low-power cellular technologies that are becoming very useful today. And those two technologies are LTEM and NB-IoT. So as we start to talk about these two uh, technologies, what is the industry context that is making this conversation relevant in the first place? How is low power cell tech being brought to more and more industries? And uh, you know, what's some timely news or context around that spread? Yeah, great question. So it used to be, kind of, again, kind of going back to when I started in, in Internet of Things, there were very few companies that were looking at cellular technologies as a viable communication method for their IoT devices, or again, you know, machine to machine or telemetry devices at the time. And the primary reason was because number one, they weren't really made for sending little bits of data across a cellular network. The pricing was unreasonable. The power utilization was way too high and it just didn't make sense. So as we've kind of progressed through time since then, the 3GPP has updated new technologies and new standards that have kind of diverged from the typical consumer path. The typical consumer path being, you know, LTE category three, category four, category, you know, 18 plus, where everything just keeps getting bigger, faster, stronger, gigantic, you know, throughput and, and super low latency, all the things that we in the low power IoT space don't really care about and don't want to pay for. And so there's been this new path that has been developed that is really focused on these low bandwidth, low data utilization and low power technologies over those same existing cellular networks, the, the LTE networks. And, and this is really kind of what brings us to the conversation today. There are two different competing low power cellular technologies that have been announced and, and released and, and have been deployed now around the, the globe, both of which come from 3GPP. They are both based on the same back-end systems. These are, cellular is actually technically the wrong word for it, but you know, for, for the purposes of this conversation, they're both cellular technologies. 
And so if, they, if you've got two low power options, both coming from the same organization, both operating in a lot of cases in the same parts of the world, how do you pick one? You know, you know, if they're both supposed to be low power and, and they're both kind of meant for our similar use cases, then then it really kind of comes down to trying to figure out the details and the, and the differences between them to pick one for your specific use case. Are you seeing that industry professionals are pretty confident in these technologies as new areas of IoT for replacing 2G and other more outdated interconnected networks? Why or why not? Yeah. So again, back in the days of, of 2G and 3G, you know, these were networks that were constructed for the purposes of people making phone calls or sending, you know, pictures, potentially, text messages, that kind of thing. So they, they weren't meant for sending IoT data, sensor data across uh, the cellular networks. And so while they were you know, lower power than the initial LTE network rollouts were, they didn't make sense for a lot of IoT devices. And the Internet of Things itself wasn't really mature at the time. And so not a lot of companies were getting into it. Fast forward to where we're at today, and pretty much every technology company uh, that's deploying any kind of, of a solution, whether it's, you know, massive industrial machinery to consumer devices, everybody's integrating some sort of connectivity. And to an increasing uh, percentage, we're seeing uh, a lot more of those connections being cellular. There are cellular connections in, in devices that you may not even realize have cellular connections. Uh, you know, they're reporting errors, they're reporting sta status, they're reporting location in a lot of cases of a lot of these devices that have been deployed out to the field. Uh, because this technology is starting to make a lot more sense. Again, from a power standpoint, from a architecture standpoint, from a cost standpoint, these are significant improvements over the 2G, 3G, and even 4G networks that have come before them. So let's get into the specific technology then now uh, to better understand what this cutting-edge uh, low-power cell tech actually looks like and how it is impacting these various industries. So again, the two technologies are LTEM and NB-IoT. Let's start with LTEM. What is unique about this connective tech and some of its specifications? Go ahead and break it down for us. Yeah, you bet. So if, if your listeners are, are anything like me, you know, we'd like to kind of cut to the chase and, and you know, tell me the numbers. <laughs> Give me the specs right, right. on these things. And so, you know, for the purposes of this conversation, I'm going to focus on category M1 within LTEM. There is a category M2, but basically just think of M2 as being a faster version of M1. At this point, I'm not aware of any networks that have actually deployed M2. So M1 makes the most sense. Similarly for NB-IoT, we'll kind of focus on NB1 versus NB2. Uh, NB2 has been starting to be deployed in some, some places, but essentially just think about it as a slightly faster version of NB1. All right, so specs. LTEM, category M1, um, you know, this was, uh, basically it's a technology that drastically reduces the bandwidth that is used across the cellular networks. And similarly, it reduces the throughput associated with using this connection as well. So these may seem like bad things, but trust me, they're actually good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're talking about 1.4 megahertz of bandwidth for deploying these, these technologies versus you know, 10, 20, 30 megahertz of bandwidth for traditional LTE. Um, which means that your speeds are slowed down. So your, your maximum speed for M1 connection in most cases is going to be right around 375 kilobits per second. That it, That is kilobits per second. So take a second to absorb that. Yeah. <laughs> that is very, that's quite slow. But, you know, if you're just sending a few bits at a time or even, a, you know, a few bytes at a time, that's plenty. Your device is meant to wake up send its data and go back to sleep again. That data, that payload may take the form of a temperature reading or you know, a location and a sensor reading 
So it's it's very little tiny bits of data. We're not talking about sending video across anything like this. Similarly, again, when we talk about this being a low power technology, a more simplified version of LTE using less bandwidth and less throughput, uh, the latency does increase quite a bit over traditional LTE. Traditional LTE, we're talking about, you know, about a, a hundred milliseconds of additional overhead latency uh, on your connection when you use that type of, of connection. So pretty close to, not real time, but pretty close to, to real time type of connectivity and, and your expectations, you know, can align with that. Whereas we talk about LTEM, now your latency is in the 10 to 15 second latency in some cases. Typically, it's it's going to be in the you know one second range where you can expect that you're going to send your data. It's going to get there, but it's going to take substantially longer to reach the other end than what you see on a traditional LTE network. And along with a lot of that, you get the benefits of things like low power. Um, and you may have heard in some of the research that's out there, some of the things that are circulating around the internet, that these low power networks have extremely long range. So the LTEM range can be up to four times that of normal LTE networks. That gets a little bit complicated, and we can dive into that if you'd like to, but uh, the, most of the LTE networks we're seeing, the LTEM networks we're seeing today traditionally aren't getting quite that long a range, but it is it is potentially capable of, of getting to that point with some updates to the networks. And LTEM does have the capability to be used for both mobile and stationary use cases. And, and I point that out because that is something that is different from NB-IoT. But that's basically a run through on the specs. The bottom line, LTEM is a lower power version of LTE. It does, it is slower, it has higher latency, but for those use cases which don't really care about those kinds of things, it costs less and it uses less power. So it makes more sense for more of these types of low power devices and low power use cases. What are some of the specific industries or examples that are relevant today where you see LTEM being most useful? And how do you think that speaks to the potential for LTEM's integration in these various industries? Yeah, so the fun thing about LTEM is, as I mentioned earlier, it works for both stationary and also mobile use cases, which pretty much, you know, if you think about what's not stationary or mobile, you're, you're left with pretty much nothing, <laughs> right? So as long as your, your um, use case is something that can handle the higher latency, can handle the th lower speeds, there's really no situation where LTEM wouldn't make sense. You know, it's, it's, it's got that broad appeal. It, it, it works for a lot of these types of, of low power uh, applications. As we talk here in a little bit about NBIoT, you'll see that that's quite a bit different on that side. But LTEM, you know, asset tracking, um, you know, water monitoring, any kind of monitoring, really. Anything that requires the ability for your device to operate on a battery for potentially, you know, up to 10 years at a time and send little bits of data, you know, per session and, and then go back to sleep again is a great fit for LTEM. Do you find that those sectors are maximizing their use of LTEM yet, or is it still being treated as cutting edge or something that people are having to be convinced to use? Yeah, that's actually a really interesting question. And the answer is not straightforward. <laughs> hey, those are the best kind of answers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So are people maximizing the capability of LTEM today? No, that's the short answer. No. And the longer answer is that it also may not be their fault. The operators that are actually deploying these LTEM networks are deploying them. Again, we talked about the fact that there's M1 and there's M2. There are different versions of coverage enhancement modes, uh, CE modes, A and B, and that's part of what leads to the potential for longer range, in some cases, lower power utilization. 
So you kind of have to find this mix and match. Your radio itself needs to support all of these different modes. So the CE modes and the you know M1 versus M2 and that kind of thing. And then the network that it's connecting to needs to be able to support those same protocols, those same technologies and features. So there are a lot of places in the world that are starting to deploy a lot of this, uh, these, these additional features, but there are also a lot of places that haven't. And so it's, it's not necessarily the device developer's fault that they're not taking advantage of, of all the, the features and functionality that LTEM has to offer. The operators are not always deploying all those technologies in their networks either for very good reason, but you know, there's a lot of promise when you Google LTEM and, and you know the speeds you can get and uh, the range you can get and, and those types of things, you're gonna see a lot of claims there that don't necessarily align with the real world <laughs> just because those are theoretically possible with these technologies, but unless they're fully supported on both the radio side and also on the network side, they're not gonna be available to you necessarily. Now I will say LTEM, networks have been deployed in a large part of the world. Uh, so these are not early cutting edge technologies at this point. Uh, a couple years ago, that was the case. But at this point, a lot of these networks have been rolled out and are available for, for rather wide use, in many cases across the entire operator's footprint. And so they are extremely viable networks. But, you know, you check with your operator, before you assume that uh, putting an LTE-M radio in your device will give you four times the range of a traditional LTE device. That may not necessarily be the case. All right, let's go through the same sort of breakdown, but now for NB-IoT. What makes NB-IoT unique as a low-power cellular technology? Okay, so if LTEM is you know has broad appeal, it works for most scenarios where a customer can handle some higher latency, some slower speeds, um, but but generally you know it works for mobile, works for stationary, uh, works for for all these different scenarios. NBIoT will work for a subset of those use cases. So. LTEM will work for all of the same use cases as NB-IoT for the most part, but NB-IoT will not necessarily work for all of the use cases for LTEM. Primary reason for that is, number one, it's even slower. So as the name suggests, it uses even less bandwidth. Uh, it uses a very narrow band of the spectrum that the operators are utilizing to deploy these networks. Only 180 kilohertz is necessary for deploying NB-IoT. Just to compare that, um, you know, with LTEM, we're talking about 1.4 megahertz of bandwidth. So a significantly smaller band of the very, very, very valuable spectrum that the carriers are utilizing to deploy these networks is used for NB-IoT. Of course, along with that, you have a much greater reduction in speed as well. If you thought LTEM was slow at 375 kilobits per second, here we're talking about 16 to 50 kilobits per second. So again, that's uh, quite slow, but for the right type of use case where you're sending a temperature reading once a day you know, maybe four times a day, something like that, where your radio wakes up and sends that information. Uh, that's plenty. That's all you really need. Along with this as well, we talked about a higher latency associated with LTEM. Well, it gets even worse with NB-IoT. Now we're talking about potentially up to 10 seconds of latency from the time that sensor reading is sent to the time it might actually be received on the other end. Um, there's some complications with the network and, and the backend systems that lead to that, but bottom line is your application must not be latency sensitive. It must be able to handle high latency. So there's, uh, there's that. Now all of this leads to, so I'm talking about a whole lot of, of downside <laughs> of NB-IoT, but there's upside. Uh, so the trade-off for all of that is you end up with a technology 
that improves upon the low power capabilities of LTE-M. So with NB-IoT, now we're talking about even lower power draw. And I'd love to give you some numbers on this, but it's going to vary so widely from, from one device or one design to another that the numbers wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense. Suffice to say, if LTE-M is low power, narrowband IoT is even lower power. Um, however, because of the way that it saves power, it is not meant for mobile use cases. It is only meant for those that are stationary. And not to go too deep here, but basically there's a, there's a normal thing that happens with these LTE radios where the first time they turn on, they scan around, they look for towers in their area, they find one to connect to, they register with that network, there's a whole bunch of handshaking and everything that happens, uh, and then it sends data. With these NB-IoT devices, they do that once. The very first time they're turned on, they do that once, and then they save that information, and the network saves that information for that device as well. The next time it wakes up, it just, it doesn't scan, it doesn't look, it doesn't try to re-register, it just connects to that tower that it saw before, starts sending data, and then goes back to sleep again, and that's it. So there's a lot of time and a lot of power and, and communication with the network that is eliminated by when you do that. However, that means if that tower that it saved and is looking for the next time it wakes up isn't there, that's a problem. <laughs> so this is why I say it only works well for stationary use cases and not for mobile. Uh, you know, if it moves too far away from that tower and it can't see it, it's not going to be able to communicate properly. It does have potential for even longer range beyond that of LTE-M. Again, that is depending upon certain features to be deployed and supported within the network and within your radio, uh, but there is potential for that to to be the case as well. In some cases, we've seen it, you know, people are, are claiming up to seven times the range of a normal LTE uh, radio. I, I haven't seen that in the real world, so it's hard to say whether that's true or not. But, you know, basically, you know, to summarize, uh, NB-IoT is a smaller bandwidth, lower throughput, higher latency version of LTE-M. Um, that can potentially give you even lower power draw for stationary use cases with the possible upside of having longer range as well. So if you think about a tiny, tiny little battery-powered device that might be attached to a, a, you know, a stationary asset, it can you know, send in sensor readings saying you know what the temperature is or or the, the fact that that device is still in its location or things like that you know very rarely maybe you know once a day or a few times a day or even less once a month something like that and then you can have something that is deployed on a tiny little battery for 10 15 years at a time just using tiny little bits of power from that battery every once in a while when it wakes up so that's really what it's intended for. So it's a much more narrow use case for narrow band IoT than you have for LTE-M. Are there any specific industry examples you have for NB-IoT at work where you see it being most relevant and where um, you're finding businesses are making the most of the tech? Yeah, so there are certain types of monitoring solutions that are meant to be deployed with the solution the first time it's put in. Uh, and by solution, I mean things like, um, for example, a, a water meter. Water meters typically don't have power run along with them. And so uh, these water meters are also things that are not swapped out very frequently. Uh, or at least you hope that you don't have to swap them out very frequently. Uh, so if you can have a radio essentially embedded into that water meter and not have to worry about the battery dying a year or two or even five um, years in to that water meter being deployed, then you can have a, a device that essentially for the intent, for the purposes of, of the deployment has a forever battery life and will communicate its status or maybe a, a reading or you know something like that that, that, that it's still alive. Um, you know, you can deploy something like that and leave it in the field for potentially 15 years at a time. 
So that can be very, very compelling and, and certainly a use case that did not exist prior to this technology being made available. Uh, you know, you had to use a short range radio and a, and a you know, a, a gateway of some sort that's collecting readings from those little short range, low power radios, uh, and then and then concentrating those up and sending them all together. So your architecture got a lot more complicated than this, where your sensor is itself uh, has an IP address and is sending data up through the network to the to the back end system. So. Uh, that's a that's a that's a good one that we've seen. We also have the ability to uh, do some monitoring for some lower cost assets, things that traditionally wouldn't justify the expense of a you know hundred dollar tracker device. Now you can put a twenty dollar tracker device or something like that on these devices and and get a lot more information, a lot more data, a lot more information uh, from that data for your deployments of devices. So. Those are some of the examples we've seen. So how would you compare them to uh, LTEM as technologies? Does NB-IoT occupy the same shared space as uh, LTEM? And is the tech competing for relevance, or do they work in a symbiotic relationship or just completely separately? How, what's their relationship like? Yeah. So again, both of these technologies came from the same standards organization. They both came right. from 3GPP. Uh, so they're not really competing for um, you know f as far as as far as companies go. You know, uh, standards that are being put forth by different companies often compete for the same space and that kind of thing. In this situation, what we've really got are two complementary technologies. However, what we see in the real world is that a lot of operators don't want to necessarily have to go through the expense and the effort of deploying both. And so you may have, for example, in Europe, there's a lot more NB-IoT than there is LTEM. Here in North America, we have a lot of companies that are deploying both. Uh, so most of the operators through throughout North America are deploying both of these technologies um, so that you can pick one, pick the one that makes the most sense for your needs. Uh, but that's not the case everywhere. There are a lot of operators, again, that are, that are only deploying LTEM. And so in those cases, the technologies are competing in that they're competing for the, the dollars, the spend from the network operators to deploy them in the first place. As far as use cases go, uh, anything that NB-IoT works for, generally speaking, LTEM also works for. So uh, LTEM has more of a of a you know broad appeal when it comes to all of the different use cases. However, there are a lot of use cases that LTEM does work for that NB-IoT simply isn't feasible for, uh, because it requires mobility or because the amount of data that you want to transfer is too high. You know, if you think about sending a, even a, you know, you know, very small, you know, JPEG or something like that, some sort of little image file um, through the same connection, an LTEM connection and an NB-IoT connection. That NB-IoT radio may technically use less power when it's transmitting, but the amount of time that it takes for you to transmit the same amount of data is much greater. And so what you end up having is a lower power radio that has to be on for longer and in its highest power state, which is the transmitting state, uh, for a longer period of time and ends up actually using more power overall because of that. And so, you know, we, we see LTE, LTEM have the, have the you know, uh, more general applicability for, for a lot of these uh, low power um, use cases. So if there was a competition, I guess I would bet on LTEM, but NB-IoT has some very specific uh, appeal for the super, super low power, super low bandwidth types of uh, applications out there that make it uniquely suited for, for those types of uh, scenarios. So now let's look at how companies are working to integrate um, these connected technologies into their operations. What would you say are the core challenges that businesses are facing today as they try to strategize around and integrate this cutting-edge IoT tech into their operations, and why? Sure. So, 
I think the, the biggest challenge is the unknown. You know, these cellular technologies have always been pretty intimidating because they, they require a high degree of uh, RF engineering expertise as well as the, uh, the knowledge of just simply what the rules are. <laughs> um, you know, if you integrate a cellular technology into your device, now all of a sudden you have to worry about, you know, FCC approval in here in North America. You have to think about the, uh, the cellular carrier certifications. Um, your device has to be tested to, to um, quite, a, quite a, an extent in order to be able to gain access to these networks in the first place. And all of that has to be built into the budget for your device, not only for the amount of cost that it might take to go through a third-party lab and, and have your device tested, but also the amount of time that all of that takes. You know, we, we've got statistics from test labs that talk about how many times companies have to resubmit before they pass a lot of this testing. And that's scary to a device developer that's never actually had to deal with that stuff before. So that is probably one of the, the biggest barriers to these things being deployed. Of course, I have to mention that, you know, that's that's where NimbleLink comes in. So with sure. our with our Skywire modem products, you know, we, we take a lot of that complexity, a lot of that RF engineering uh, out of the uh, customers, uh, off of the customer's engineering team. And wherever possible, we obtain full final certification, not just module level certification, but the, but the final device level certifications for our embedded modems, which means that you don't have to deal with going through the cellular certifications or, or even, you know, getting registered uh, as a device manufacturer with those carriers. You simply activate the Skywire modem that exists within your device and deploy it. So again, we're, we're really focused on trying to simplify as much of this stuff as possible. And that's the reason why that whole product family exists in the first place. But yeah, so that would be the, the best answer that I could give you, which is so many of these companies have never done cellular before and are scared of doing cellular, or maybe they've tried to do cellular, didn't get through the certification process, decided to go Wi-Fi or something like that, and don't want to get back into it again. So that's probably the, the main barrier that we see to, to customers being able to integrate LTEM or NB-IoT into their products and deploy them. To wrap the conversation, I want to spend a little time talking about um, LTEM and NB-IoT at work in some industries that are seeing a lot of benefit out of connected technologies. Um, providing you know, both data insights and more efficiency and more operational power. So let's start with manufacturing. Manufacturing is a, a, an industry as a whole that has really uh, brought IoT into its core operations to um, maximize its throughput of products. Um, can you break down some of the more specific ways you see LTEM and NBIOT at work in the manufacturing industry and any of the more specific niche markets within that? Sure. Yeah. Manufacturing is always a good one because there's a, there's a lot of automation. There's a lot of machinery and, and equipment that uh, is involved in, in the manufacturing industry. So we've seen some really unique solutions that have been developed and, and deployed throughout manufacturing. Everything from helping improve worker safety, uh, so wearable devices that actually go on to uh, the people who are in those, those uh, factory, those manufacturers, to make sure that any you know, close calls, slip and falls, uh, environmental issues are, are not causing problems and, and not failing to get reported so that they can be fixed so they don't cause problems in the future. So we've seen a lot of that kind of kind of thing being deployed. Uh, we've also seen, you know, kind of moving to the other part of the factory, the actual equipment, the monitoring of the equipment itself. And there's always been some level of monitoring for vibration, for heat, for, you know, premature wear, uh, preventative maintenance, those sorts of things. But it's been pretty high level. And now with these technologies and the being as inexpensive and easy to integrate as they are, 
you can actually start integrating the radios into the equipment at the point of manufacturing rather than adding something on that can monitor it externally uh, after the fact. Uh, not only that, but certainly once the product that is being manufactured leaves the factory, you can now track not just a shipment of products, so, you know, you can always track a truck, but now we can actually take these little devices, make them battery powered, make them very, very small, integrate them into the pallets themselves that one particular shipment is, you know, is, is sitting on top of. And so you can track that individual pallet within the overall shipment from beginning to end. We know not only where, it, where it's at, but also was it exposed to excessive heat? Was it dropped at one point? You know, was one of the containers that's on that pallet opened when it shouldn't have been? So there's a lot more tracking, a lot more accountability, a lot more visibility to the products that are manufactured from the point when they leave the factory or maybe go to the next step in the manufacturing process. Uh, all the way through to where it's actually deployed or used or sold uh, to the customer. So just basically the, the kind of overall idea here is you get more information by being able to have more sensors that are connected and, and giving you that, that data as you go. Now, maybe in some cases, these are not necessarily um, LTEM or, or NB-IoT. There may be some capability to have you know, Wi-Fi connected devices within a facility as long as they don't leave that facility. But if you've got assets that are maybe moved between facilities or once they leave the facility and they're on their, their way to a warehouse or distribution or something like that, um, then having the broader network out there that is provided by LTEM and NB-IoT can be incredibly helpful and beneficial. So. I think that's sort of a roundabout way of, of saying that uh, that there can be sensors and information data that is being collected all throughout the manufacturing process, from the people that are doing it uh, and running the machines to the machines themselves, to the product that's being manufactured by the people and machines, all the way through to where that product that has been manufactured is actually being used or consumed. Another sector that is using connected technologies similarly the, to the manufacturing industry and in that you know it's being used to connect uh, disparate equipment for um, better operational efficiency is in the agricultural industry mm -hmm. are you seeing any uh, spread of LTEM or NBIOT in agricultural equipment and uh, to what effect <laughs> yeah um, so I live in Iowa and uh, so I'm surrounded by agriculture here. So Nimblelink is a Midwestern uh, company. We're based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And so, yes, we are, we are surrounded by agriculture. And ag was one of the first industries that really kind of fully adopted a lot of the things that we were doing. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about the fact that we enable rapid IoT solutions, that kind of generic statement. And one of the very first companies that kind of took us up on that was a company that came to us and said, you know, we, we want to deploy this solution that will go into tractors and be able to pull data from the system and make that data available so that it can be used to determine, you know, a, a number of different things. I won't, I won't get into too much detail there. But, um, you know, they brought us a napkin sketch, essentially, and we turned around an entire full solution, custom hardware and plastics, everything, in a period of three months. And so uh, it's an incredibly short time frame to be able to, to, to rapidly deploy an IoT solution. And I, and I just kind of throw that out there because, the, again, that very first customer to kind of take us up on that and really push to see how fast we could make that happen was in agriculture. So that... In that case, it was more of a connected agricultural equipment, but we're also seeing, uh, you know, growers wanting to get more intelligence about their crops. So, uh, you know, long gone are the days when you either turn on your irrigation system or turn it off and, you know, hope that the whole field got enough water or didn't get too much. Uh, now you can actually determine 
you know, within a row, within a, an area of, of a particular field, where it's dry, where it's not, you know, how deep is the water getting? Is it getting to the root level or is it going past the root level? In which case it would be too much water. So there's a lot more information about the, uh, the fields themselves, the crops themselves that you can get out of this. Uh, we're actually seeing quite a bit in UAVs and drones as well. This is still sort of a, a burgeoning market because of some of the, the restrictions that are in place, but uh, we're starting to see quite a bit of uh, LTE connectivity on these drones and UAVs that are being flown above agricultural fields. They're able to very intelligently see and sense information about the fields that they're flying over, uh, not just you know what parts are green, what parts are yellow, but plant health, you know, temperature of the plants, which determines whether they're, they're, they're sick or not, have got disease or not. Chemical composition of the soil that it's flying over, really, really uh, impressive information that these systems are capable of, of collecting about these agricultural uh, uh, fields. And, and they have a big impact on the yield that you get from one of these fields. Again, you know, we kind of talked about tracking as well. Uh, on the tracking side, you're producing a product. Uh, in ag, you're, you're, you're producing a product. And so you need to know that the product that you're producing is uh, of a certain quality and that you can track it all the way through to where it is eventually, you know, stored in a, in a silo or sold to grocery stores or, or whatever the case may be. And so there's quite a bit on the tracking side, again, not just knowing where it is, but also knowing that it hasn't been dropped, that it hasn't gotten too hot or too cold. A lot of these additional types of sensor data that you can collect throughout the course of its journey to the end consumer. All right, two more industries for you. The first one being smart cities. Uh, smart cities is you know, probably the most all-encompassing one here because that can include any number of things. It can be municipal installations. It can be smart cars and infrastructure to support them. It can be infrastructure for businesses within a metroplex, anything in between, right? So maybe a little harder to hone in, but just in general, smart cities are, I think, capturing a lot of imagination today. A lot of major technology companies are investing big time in the supporting interconnected technologies that are going to support smart cities into the future. So where does LTEM and NBIOT fit into this growth of smart cities? Yeah, so smart cities is, is an interesting one because I think to a lot of people, smart cities is the thing that has been talked about the most. And so so underdeployed. <laughs> you know, we've always heard these stories about what a smart city could be. And, you know, all this promise of IoT is going to enable all of these things. And, and we haven't actually seen it, uh, you know, except for little pockets and sort of experiments here and there. We really haven't seen it. But uh, with NB-IoT and LTEM, with these lower power, inexpensive radios and the networks that they operate on, we now have more capability to have more sensor data, more connections per square mile in a city than we've had before. And as we get on into 5G, I almost hesitate to bring up that, <laughs> that, uh, that word in, in this conversation because it's such a buzzword that people latch onto, but low power 5G does not exist yet. And it, it probably won't for at least a year or two out. And, but at the point when we have this uh, massive machine type communication for 5G, we're basically gonna have an even greater density of connections that we can have in a particular area. But for right now with uh, LTEM and NBIOT, you can have every, you know, every street light, uh, every stoplight, you know, everywhere in the city have its own individual connection. Again, not going through a gateway, not short range radios that need to be paired, not that single point of failure for, uh, for connection problems and, and so on. Um, and I don't know if you're like me where you're walking down or driving down a street and all the lights are dark uh, and they turn on after 
you've left the street. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of annoying thing where the technology is supposed to be helping, but it actually ends up uh, hurting. Um, in this case, you've got a, an individual connection for uh, the, each one of these devices. So whether that means smart parking, where the parking spots are monitored and can tell you when one is open so you don't have to drive around in, in circles and city streets to try to find one of those parking spots, which by the way also leads to more congestion, to uh, intelligent traffic lights that are uh, able to determine the flow of traffic and coordinate with each other so that you, you know, if you're going the speed limit, uh, you can get through a city in much less time than you know, if you're trying to beat the lights and, and you know, uh, being stopped when there's nobody going the other direction and, and that kind of frustrating thing. You know, we, we see it all over the place. You mentioned uh, smart vehicles, smart cars. This is something I think actually is, is going to be a really, really good option for 5G. I, I don't know that the driverless cars and, and that level of intelligence makes sense for something like uh, LTE M and NBIOT. Uh, again, the, the latency being too high and uh, that kind of thing. But as we get into 5G with the ultra low latency, reliable connections that are created by, by 5G networks, I think that vehicle to vehicle uh, communication becomes a, a real possibility. And now you've got the ability for vehicles to talk to each other, also talk to the infrastructure, and make sure that everything is, uh, you know, is, is clear. If there is any congestion, if there is any slowdown, if there's any, you know, traffic issues, you know, accidents, things like that, that can be avoided. The vehicles know that already and can coordinate that. That's a, a really interesting idea um, that hopefully we'll see deployed sometime soon. But yeah, there's, there's almost unlimited potential in smart cities pretty much everything could have some sort of a sensor, some sort of, you know, connection that's, that makes the, the city work better, work more efficiently, work more smoothly um, for, for motorists, for residents, for businesses, and, and everybody else. All right, Brandon Hart, I think that wraps up our conversation for today on the podcast. I appreciate you joining us and giving us this breakdown of LTEM and NBIOT technology and how it's being put to work in various industries and how the two technologies are working together as well. So thank you again for joining us. Again, we've been chatting with Brandon Hart, Director of Technical Business Development for Nimble Link. And Brandon, if folks want to find out a little bit more about Nimble Link and potentially get in touch, how can they do so? Yeah, check us out at nimblelink.com, and I'm going to spell that for you. Uh, it's N-I-M-B-E-L-I-N-K.com. And if you're specifically interested in the From the Workshop web series, you can go to nimblelink.com slash workshop, and you can find us there. We'd love to talk to you. Fantastic. Brandon, thanks again. It was a pleasure getting to chat today. Looking forward to speaking again soon. Thank you very much, Daniel. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of the Market Scale Technology Podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure you're heading to marketscale.com slash industries or subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And regardless, make sure you're leaving a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time. <laughs>